Podcast number 58, Hallelujah, by Leonard Cohen. How many songs have had such an emotional impact on people as Hallelujah? The song's lyrics, which have been discussed and analyzed in so many forms, are a masterpiece of lyrical construction. I'd like to quote from Liesl Dalton, an associate professor of religious studies at Hartwick College. She notes the many levels on which Cohen's linking of David and Samson works. Here is the quote. Both are heroes that are undone by misbegotten relationships with women. Both are adulterers. Both are poets. Samson breaks into verse right after smiting the Philistines. Both repent and seek divine favor after their transgressions. Rolling Stone published the story, How Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah Brilliantly Mingled Sex and Religion. I would like to read the opening now to introduce my analysis. Leonard Cohen's career had reached a low point when he wrote Hallelujah. It was 1984, and he had been out of the spotlight for quite a long time. His 1977 LP, Death of a Ladies' Man, a collaboration with Phil Spector, was a commercial and critical disappointment, and his next album, Recent Songs, fared no better. When Cohen submitted the songs for his subsequent LP, Various Positions, to Columbia, label execs didn't hear Hallelujah, the opening song of Side 2, as anything special. They didn't even want to release the album, though it eventually came out in Europe in 1984 and America the following year. It took a few years for Hallelujah to emerge as a classic. Bob Dylan was one of the first to recognize its brilliance, playing it at a couple of shows in 1988. The Velvet Underground's John Cale tackled it on the piano for a 1991 Cohen tribute disc, and three years later, Jeff Buckley took inspiration from that rendition and covered it on his 1994 album, Grace. It was that version that eventually created a huge cult around the song, and it's since been covered by everybody from Bono to Bon Jovi. It's far and away Leonard Cohen's most famous composition, even though many people don't even realize that he wrote it. Another Hallelujah. One of the most famous works of music ever written is George Friedrich Handel's The Hallelujah Chorus from the Oratorio Messiah, 1741. After an initially modest public reception, the oratorio gained popularity, eventually becoming one of the best-known and most frequently performed works in Western music. In a remarkable coincidence of history, Handel's extensive fame and fortune had hit a low point. This work restored him to his previous heights. Often people will ask, what is the difference between the terms Alleluia and Hallelujah? Hallelujah is a word used in Christian service, meaning praise God. Hallelujah is a religious song. For this musical analysis, I will use Rufus Wainwright's version used in the movie Shrek. I believe this version opened the song to the whole world. Also, please see Jeff Buckley's. It's an amazing version. Let's start with the overall architecture. First of all, it's in the key of C major. The chords in the key of C major are C, the one chord, D minor, the two chord, E minor, the three chord, F major, the four chord, 
G major, the five chord, A minor, the six chord, and B diminished, the seven chord. The time signature is 6-8 time. In 6-8, there are six eighth notes in a measure or their equivalent, such as two dotted quarters, which equals six eighth notes, or a quarter and an eighth and a quarter and an eighth, etc. It is commonly subdivided into two beats per measure. For example, the strong beats fall on one and four, which would be one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. The sections are an introduction, four measures, a verse, 16 measures, divided into two subsections, eight measures each. I will label them parts one and part two, and then a refrain. Also, two parts. Part one is four measures, part two is five measures. The introduction. The introduction of any work usually sets the key, tempo, harmony, chord movement, general overall mood and feel of the piece. Here we have four measures, C to A minor, twice, one measure each, which is exactly how the background of the verse starts. Let's listen. As I previously mentioned, the two parts of the verse are eight measures each. The first part, I'd like to start off with the harmony. It's going to be one measure each, and I will play the chords now slowly so you can hear them, and I will label them. C. A minor. C. A minor. F, G, C, G. The first four measures feature C to A minor twice, then the four chord, F, which pulls to G, the five chord, which then pulls to C, the one chord, and then back to G. This is one of the most common progressions in popular music. Thousands of songs have been written with the one, six, four, five, and one chord. These chords pull to each other so smoothly, creating an unobtrusive background to highlight the lyrics. The 6-8 rhythm creates a hypnotic rhythmic pulse. The melody, phrase one, or some might say a subphrase. The lyrics are, I've heard there was a secret chord in these first two measures. We begin with the lyric I've, we see a low G pickup note to begin the phrase. All the notes, the G's against the C chord and the A's against the A minor are all chord tones. Chord tones denote strength of sound and color. Non-chord tones create varying degrees of color and tension. The melody in the first measure, heard there was A, rises up a whole step into the second measure with the lyrics secret chord. This rise forecasts the future. Phrase number two, that David played and it pleased the Lord. Beginning as before with a pickup note on the lyric, that, 
we basically see a repetition of the first phrase with a slight melodic variation to fit the lyrics. This is important in any work to reinforce any important phrases. Phrase number three. This is four measures long, twice as long as the two previous phrases. The lyrics. But you don't really care for music, do you? Again, a pickup note on the lyric but. This phrase, as I said, is twice as long. With a change, we have the addition of the F chord and the G chord leading to the C chord. 4-5-1 is one of the strongest cadences in music. The first eight measures, except for the E note on the lyric that, are all Gs and As, only two notes moving back and forth. All the notes are chord tones except one. On the lyric care, we have the note A against the G chord. This is what is known as an appoggiatura, a non-chord tone moving down one step to a chord tone. Very expressive. If we were to isolate it, subconsciously we would feel the emotion. In the seventh measure, we have the lyrics do you, the notes G against the C chord, the fifth of the chord. This creates a pause, a comma. And then in the eighth measure against the G chord, the five chord, we pause for three and a half beats, giving us a resting point. The verse, part two. The second part of the verse intensifies at first with the chord movement still in the key of C major, however the chord progression has changed. And we have the addition of the three chord E minor. I will play it slowly now so we can hear each chord. They are C for one measure, F and G in the second measure, A minor in the third, F in the fourth, G in the fifth, E minor in the sixth, and A minor in the seventh. The lyrics are, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah. Not only referencing the king, but also music theory. The melody also grows in intensity as it continually rises until the climax on the highest note of the piece, high E. This occurs on the middle syllable of the word composing and the beginning of hallelujah. As with novels and movies, after the climax, the tension is then released. We hear hallelujah. In all genres of music, Often the climax of a work occurs approximately 66% in. This is known as the golden section. The Fibonacci sequence and the golden mean reveal an extraordinary phenomenon that occurs throughout nature, art, music, and mathematics. Also known as the golden ratio or, or golden section, the golden mean is a mathematical ratio, 0.618. In other words, almost two-thirds the way through a piece or a work, something will happen. It might be the high note, 
It might be the climax. It might be a sudden key change, but something will happen. You would be amazed through analysis how many times you see this in rock, pop, jazz, classical. Also, artists, architects in their buildings have used this to craft their art for centuries. The rising melody of this section can be outlined by the following. G, A, B, C, D, E, the highest note, the climax. Comes down to D, ends on C. I will play the second part of the verse very slowly now so we can hear each note and chord. In the first of the last two examples, I played the melody without repeating the notes and then with the repetitions as we hear it in the song. Whether one is composing or improvising, an underlying melodic line creates direction, planning, and cohesion. How many times have we heard an improvised solo with many notes that go nowhere? And then we hear David Gilmour's solo in Comfortably Numb, which is perfection. In the eighth measure of the second part of the verse, the music basically stops, and then we hear the first two notes of Hallelujah in the refrain. A refrain is a regularly reoccurring phrase or verse, especially at the end of each stanza or division of a poem or song. Often it will be the main hook of the song or contain it. Please refer to podcast 57, which deals with hooks. There are two phrases in the refrain that contain the title Hallelujah four times. The harmony features the chords F, A minor, F, C, G, and C. The melody features three notes, A, G, and E, so prominent in part one of the verse. The first phrase pauses on the note E, again a comma. The second phrase winds down to the C, the root of the tonic chord C major. is strophic in that the lyrics of the next four verses use the same music. As we have observed in this analysis, we have a composition perfectly constructed with a refrain both memorable and emotional. It is impossible through analysis to explain the varied physical and emotional effects a piece of music may have on an individual. I'd like to conclude with a quote on music by the German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. 
the effect of music is so very much more powerful and penetrating than that of the other arts. For those others speak only of the shadow, but music of the essence. And Claudio Monteverdi, the end of all good music is to affect the soul. Thank you for listening. Take care, Joe.